Welcome to the Cannabis Connection. I'm your host, Christopher Carr. Thank you for tuning in to another week of Cannabis Talk Radio. Happy summer solstice. The longest day of the year was Tuesday. Here we are on a blessed Friday. Hope everyone is doing well and keeping their heads up in this challenging and interesting time. My guest this evening, my dear friends, La Familia from Green Source Gardens. I want to share some language from from their from their hearts uh, in order to achieve a healthy biological soil ecosystem it requires a commitment to not disturbing the communities of soil life that thrive if left undisturbed we understand the importance of polyculture gardens where diverse plant species work in collaboration with one another to achieve their highest potential as medicine our gardens are planted with dynamic accumulators that Increase aroma, vigor, potency, and overall health. The only thing we spray on our plants is water from the spring that sits atop of an isolated watershed in the King Mountain Appalachian. Because we foster functioning ecosystems of life, no insect is a pest. We've never and never will use any form of pesticide in our garden. Our methods are rooted in experience and influenced by research, including but not limited to growing styles, dictated by indigenous agriculture, biodynamics, permaculture, hugoculture, and most importantly, love. Again, it's my deep love for this farm, for this family, to have them on the show. And they are one of the three farms featured on Tending the Garden, the film we've been covering for the past few weeks. And we're trying to support and get the word out. So welcome, Nicholas, to the Cannabis Connection. Hey, Christopher, can you hear me? I can hear you. How are you? Good, man. How are you? We're doing well. We're doing well. Doing really well. Keeping busy. It's that very special time of year, and we got our little little ones. I don't know if we've talked since you've had your little one. How's it going? It's good. It's it's so busy, man, and we've got another one on the way, so we're, we're... We're gearing up to be a full family. Oh, I'm so happy for you. Congrats. That's exciting. It just keeps going, the life cycles. Yeah, Yeah, it changes everything and and makes it all better and and makes them feel like there's more purpose. Amen. You're so right. Yeah, I was just thinking about that walking into the station of of how things have changed and how they'll never quite be the same, but how, 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 how much improvement in, in the love factor, how, how that can grow so exponentially that it was, it was un, unconceivable before. Uh, it, it's a, it's, it's amazing blessing and, and it, it does, I feel in many ways reflect in the, in the garden as well. Uh, like you said, there's, there's a lot to live for, um, new purpose and new drive and, and, and lots more love. That's, that's right. And, you know, with that, um, you know, just having the reality of having your own kids and recognizing the importance of taking care of the future, it really, it's, it's, it amplifies all that responsibility that's necessary for every single one of us on this planet to begin the process of healing our relationship to ecology so that we're capable of um, changing and providing a framework for a new system 
one that will uh, feed many, many generations. And so I think right now and having kids and, and being around them and being connected really just amplifies uh, the necessity for us to take this seriously and to begin the process of really re restoring our ecology so that it functions in a way that feeds us for a long time and not just for a short time. Amen. Yeah, and a lot of that is this alignment, uh, ecological alignment, and would love to jump into this this idea of of cosmic amplification through ecological alignment. What 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 you've done and what you continue to do is is provide this example, and 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 it continues to. It, it's so fun to talk to these other farms featured in tending the garden uh, and to hear this reverence and, and respect between farms and every farm every garden is its own personality in many ways it's its own entity spirit right attached to the land attached i would just was loving this uh, introduction reading about your your spring at the top of this watershed in southern oregon a really charmed place but it took time and i, I imagine since lexi and i visited we're looking at five years now it's crazy to think that was five years ago it feels like not too long at all uh but i imagine things have continued to improve and evolve and, and it wasn't an easy space to begin with but i i encourage everyone to check out green source gardens online and, and and to to kind of witness the the transformation and the progression of building biology and and just facilitating all this new life but Specifically, yeah, tell me about the the cosmic amplification. That almost sounds like what we were discussing with Radical Herbs last week, biodynamics a little bit. Yeah, um, you know, I've been, it's been such a crazy time, and there's been so much going on um, for us as a family and, and and for the world as a whole, uh, you know, it's all connected, so it's it, it makes sense that we're all feeling all that's happening. Um, but with that, it's like the market fell apart, and, and, and from a business standpoint, it's been really challenging, and, and really this is a survival game right now, and, and it's not pretty, and we are going to have to make decisions that we don't necessarily want to make in order to either stay or, or not. And, and, you know, everybody's decision is their own decision, and we've got to respect everybody who's been involved in that um, to, to make the decisions they need to make moving forward in this really grim time. Um, but on the other side of that is this, this like cosmic awareness component that comes with spending a lot of time in living soil or, or working on restoring land and, and just being out in, in, in the sun, in, in the atmosphere and in, in the climate. Um, it, 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 it's had me meditating a lot on just how do I, amplify the messages coming from the cosmos um wow. you know i think that's really what we're trying to do and and i'm not really a voice for say farming as much as i am a uh, a voice for partnering with the natural ways that things occur and and i think truly as we evolve and go further down that path we'll realize it doesn't even it doesn't even look like farming. Um, I've always kind of thought that. I, I, more, it's an integrated, healthy component of a functioning ecosystem. 
And so my goal or my vision of the future is to tear the fences down and get rid of the irrigation and, and blend the wild spaces into the domestic spaces and have them function and work together in order to achieve the potential that I think is possible when we start to invite wildness into our, our, our garden spaces and, and see our gardens as something that connects us to that greater ecology. And then the cosmic, the cosmic component, the cosmos, is like, you know, I feel like all the plants are, are basically receivers of energy from this giant mystery of, of everything that's floating around in an endless space. And, and that we have to make sure that, that all the, the plants and all the microbiology are, are accessing all the information coming from the space of, of the cosmos at all times. And so that's kind of like got me focusing more on how do I bring the atmosphere and the cosmos into that, uh, that layer of soil that supports root systems and, and, and I feel like um, the biology is a huge component of that, but, you know, biology is a result of a certain mix and, uh, of, of different components. And, you know, um, so it's like this deep dive into the meditation of the laws of nature. And, and um, the farther we go with that, the more we realize how we can amplify the the messages from the cosmos. And I think cannabis is such an interesting plant because it can pull that information out of the out of the ether and and bring into a, a plant form that then connects with our consciousness and makes our our consciousness capable of interpreting the cosmos in a way that um, based on our intention uh, will kind of guide us forward. So Wow, Nick, this is fantastic. Do you believe some of the auspicious timing here? I'd like to try to keep a positive attitude because it is we're we're even today we're experiencing some sad uh news from from like on a, you know, national level losing of rights for for, you know, things are things are going uh, there's there's this yin and yang time right now. There's there's some, you know, some of this really what you're speaking to, I feel it's like it really resonates and it's this it's it's a very important piece to this regenerative conversation um, and this process of developing a deeper relationship with regenerative agriculture and lifestyle. Um, and do you do you believe maybe this is part of the the yin and yang balancing out of of this time specifically? As we see, I think since our last show, we've had many shows, uh, and it, I, we're celebrating seven years of the Cannabis Connection on radio. This is pretty fun that we can continue to reconnect and, and touch base. And But do you feel like with these wildfires, with these heavy uh, you know, climate change and climate pressures, this... Um, this you know amplification of the consciousness it being able to tap into some of this information coming from the cosmos and the relationship with biology and soil and cannabis and and and, and farming right tending the garden it's a, i think it's a it's very timely um and and what are these i think in in many ways this this medium of film and reaching reaching a bigger audience because in many ways, 
what you're speaking to and what what you're uh, it's it's a very powerful message it's a very powerful uh cathartic spiritual in many ways gospel i think and and it's and it resonates so pure because we are of this planet we are of this nature we have are of this consciousness of this cosmos right and and i think it's it's powerful to hear in in your in your voice too the the progression of your of your journey and your relationship um but what do you think about this time specifically and 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 to encourage to to help how do we instill this in a in a bigger audience yeah you know that's that's the thing is is if we want to receive these messages from the cosmos and 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 have the guidance necessary to move forward in a healthy way um and and say you're using cannabis as a medicine to uh, open up a, a certain part of your consciousness to receive that information, well then it's just of most importance um, that that cannabis was able to receive the messages as well. And so you're not going to get it from um, cannabis that's been grown in scenarios which are degrading the earth um, because the cosmic potential within a plant that's participating in a system that's destroying life is is not going to be able to bring that information and so you know uh right now it's really important that everybody start to awaken to if you're going to use cannabis as a cosmic amplification for your consciousness that you really have to be sourcing it you have to make sure it's directly from the source and so you know, if that's if if that source and that place where you're 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 gain you're gaining access to that cannabis, you can find and and you can see the intention and and you can understand that there's more at play than just production. Um, then I think you know that's really where you have to go to start listening. Say if you're gonna use that cannabis, and I, I highly recommend people do um, use that cannabis use cannabis in relationship to a deeper spiritual connection to the cosmos. And I do believe that it is a spiritual use, and I don't really believe that it's medicinal or recreational in a sense. I think spiritual component really makes our health better and so we have to just simply uh, engage in our relationship to this resin in a way where we set aside the space and the time for us to feel the power of the cosmos and if that resin didn't pull that power in it might not be there so it's really important for people right now and you need to because all of us farmers who are actually above board and it working in this market are are barely here yeah. we're we're being choked out yeah. as we speak um we are so close to being done um, from the standpoint of we just cannot continue this because payroll can't be made, the money's not coming in, there's too much production in these all these really terrible ways, nobody sees the value in the spectrum of what outdoor wheat cannabis potentially can be. And I think there's change with that. I think California's making some progress with that. This film is going to help people make progress with that. Yes. But from an operator's standpoint of working within this system, the system does not 
not care about that. And yeah. and they basically use that outdoor language because that's the lowest price cannabis to leverage our prices to a point where we cannot continue to operate in a way that the people want us to. Um, it drives us into a negative uh, downward spiral of production and commercialism. Yeah, well said. And, yeah, I can't share that enough and that's it's it's why the focus has been very very um you know pinpoint on on farmers specifically in in these in these challenging times i think there is some hope uh we have seen i i i haven't done this in years but i went to the bookstore bookshop santa cruz actually my wife went with sophie at when i was at home gardening and picked up a copy of high times and a copy of of skunk magazine like just good old-fashioned cannabis magazines and i was reading the editor's notes and i was reading some of these stories and ellen holland has been on the show and i'm starting to see this type of awareness this type of consciousness heightening in the mainstream publications it's becoming a little more vogue uh i feel with film too as a medium as a way of communication and education and in media in general, it's so it's so well received, and we do have things have changed in the five years since since I visited your 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 home, uh, in in so many levels, right? Even our families have have grown, and our imagine the the gardens and our our seed banks and all these other exciting things we're going to discuss have have progressed and changed. But the world has changed as well in five years. Uh, and I'm thinking about like the film Fantastic Fungi. We went and watched it in the Rio Theater here in Santa Cruz before the pandemic, and now it's on all these uh, these platforms, and it's really elevated the consciousness around uh, medicinal uh, mushrooms and 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 you know the work of Paul Stamets and and kind of reconnecting the mycelial network of 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 our relationship with with fungi and i would would be very excited i have a lot of hope for the relationship of the of the consumer to the flower uh, because i know the demand is there uh prices and the markets are 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 really grim you're so on point and it, it's 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 hard to hear but I, I i just know it can't last it can't be like this forever and and we have to survive and we have to persevere and we've seen ups and downs in, in, in cannabis markets. Traditional markets have always been very volatile. Uh, and, and what I love about the regenerative movement is it, it, you don't use pesticides. You're not doing bottled anything. You're you're aligning with your local ecology and, and by and and the and the life force of the livestock on the farm the the micro processors in the soil the the verm you know the worms and all of these wonderful insects that are there are no pests i mean that perspective is so important um and but instilling in the consumer to ask where their flower comes from and to hopefully catalyze the concern of I really love this perspective of using cannabis as a spiritual uh, component to that spiritual wellness, sound body, sound mind, sound spirit. And I think you're really spot on. And if the, if the flowers were abused or or produced in a, in a in a in a tough way, that resin may not have as much to provide to inspire to teach. 
than these other flowers coming from green source gardens or radical herbs or Bryceland Forest Farm or, or even in these backyards and the, all the gardeners across everywhere uh, because people put that love into that plant and that plant reflects that love tenfold and it is tapped in to to the that that cause that cosmic consciousness of of this garden planet of which we're all a part of so i hope with this film we can see and continue that that mission of informing the consumer to to care and to to ask about where their cannabis comes from and i think a film really has the potential to it has legs to really go i think the first festivals in mexico which is so important to go international and to reach a broader broader audience as this uh this this plant right this prohibition of this plant and all of that is unraveled so quickly the whole drug war is unraveling underneath all these other pressures uh in in these challenging times what do you think about uh the progression of your flowers uh and breeding and providing agency um it, for for your farm because what you guys are continuing to take care of and this is important because i know you think about this a lot and it is a passion of of your whole family of of stewarding impressive lovely lines of of flowers that are from from the community but also you can create and and continue to build upon that foundation to really make something unique and your own i think the first one that a lot of people know about that is pretty mainstream is that pinkleberry with those vibrant hues and the pistols and and just such a sensory stimulating sensimia beautiful flower but i'm also impressed with your relationship with kaya and uh, pacific northwest roots and then of course all these other northern california farms that have been a part of our our, our broadcast and, and huge leaders in the community and you're i would love to hear some thoughts on 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 the things that you're very excited about this year and and i imagine a lot of those lines it's been five years since i've been in in, on the farm you've continued to you know improve and and breed and and preserve and and would love for you to educate our audience yeah you know uh the breeding component's been kind of one of my personal passions um I believe seed is the future, and so I've always been very seed-oriented, and and that's been um, a huge part of of my drive to continue to do the work that I do is is to develop this strong relationship to the seeds. Um, But there's also been some things like based on how market is and the the survival needs of of a farm that's working within the the system that, you know, the breeding starts to, to... to get affected by that too so you know it's pushed me into understanding production um lines and and how to breed really good strong hybrids and that's forced me to uh have to value the inbred line side of things and so I've, i've really had to like with the limited space and just you know limited support we really aren't really uh a funded entity at all uh we're basically just super in debt and and we're just trying to move forward with the most positive attitudes that we can and and reminding ourselves to stay really connected to the passion piece so that we don't 
sacrifice that in in trying to become successful as a business or something. I, I think real success is beyond business. I think sometimes business is a hindrance to the potential of our humanity, and economics sometimes drives us into uh, doing things ways that we wouldn't normally do. Um, and so it's, it, I've had to make some sacrifices in the breeding realm, not that they're bad, but they're just what, what I've had to do is really focus in on, on more traditional breeding techniques for agricultural production. And this has led me into um, managing inbred lines so I can make proper hybrid lines and understanding how important it is to maintain certain inbred lines for breeding purposes and then how those relate to other uh, lines and what outcrosses with polyhybrids might do to an inbred line and then what backcrosses with F1s back to parental stock might do and, and exploring all of that. So for me it's been a huge, you know, I've been having to really uh, learn through experience um, what works in breeding and, and what is less likely to work. And, and the only term, like when I say work, uh, that just means that there's a predictable outcome coming from the other end. But that doesn't, that isn't necessarily the case of how I would necessarily breed if I was just doing it with my, out of my own desire. And, and, um, you know, some of the things that I might let go of if I was really just doing this out of my own personal, um, uh, desire, uh, I think there would be some differences and that you would see like kind of some more traditional breeding like has been done for thousands of years, which is it's not necessarily about uh, inbred lines. It's more about selections in large populations of fields. And uh, the inbred line work is very conducive and works very well for this super hyper modern cannabis, but the longevity comes in extremely large populations and really good selection processes in the field around culling things out of the genetics that you don't want to be incorporating. And so, you know, uh, at some point I'd love to move further into open pollination projects and, and, and thousands and hundreds and thousands of population SIFs uh, for not necessarily specific characteristics, but for longevity and strength in genetics. Um, yes. So you know, for me, it's been it's been an amazing thing. I've I've been working on. I mean, looking at F ones, F ones is really where what the modern world really wants to see, which is just the you know what happens when you take very unrelated lines and put them together you amplify all their characteristics in a way and and so for commercial uh, production sake and, and even for commercial production sake within a smaller context um, F1s are the way and you know uh, there is there is this thing that occurs when you work lines and you inbreed lines um, you know, there's a lot to talk about there around selection processes, bottlenecking, opening up populations, and then understanding why you would do either of those at whatever generation. All that stuff is super valuable information from a uh, breeding for a market standpoint, um, not maybe as necessary for this longevity purpose, uh, seed preservation versus seed breeding um, Preservation might be the best thing for longevity, but, uh, you know, uh, per 
selection and and breeding for specific characteristics really it, it hones well for what the world is is operating in with today um and so you know but yeah. some of the stuff that i've been most passionate about lately has been hash varieties and and nice. making hash yes. and and making you know collecting and and storing resin in a way that preserves it uh the best way possible so you know, I've I've moved into um, exploring uh, my relationship to collecting the resin off of the plants. So cool. Yeah. No, I've been. I'm. I'm. As you're, as you're speaking, I'm witnessing the 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 glory of of some of these lines. Aliens and Cream is one of the newer posts, but I was looking at Happy Chillmore, Icy Mac, Coffee Berry, things that you've really continued to progress and and make make your own although it is just the it's really just the selection can you speak a little bit for maybe the novice listener or these pollen chuckers i know santa cruz has a, a deep tradition of of genetic appreciation of of like we're home of Bodie, home of the haze home of some of these interesting legacy genetics but you're speaking to selection and i would love to hear your since we've last spoke your your selection process, and I know you're, and I would love to speak a little bit about hash later too. But uh, yeah, I, I, it's amazing to watch, especially with this la- this latest picture from three days ago. I can't believe that. Just the impressive nature of 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 the resin production. Obviously, that's from selection, um, but it's in these, it's in the genome, it's in the DNA of these cultivars. A lot of coffee. But the glazed cherries is something that I've known you've you've been loving and working and loving up for for so many years. And then I wa- I looked at that picture of the icy mac and full term regeneratively grown, lovely sun grown herb having that 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 bag appeal that is going to, in my opinion, it's a it's a much better product than any indoor product around. But at least it'll get in the door. Uh, but I'm seeing even indoor farmers struggle to to make sales in this really grim time and in, in this market crash we're all experiencing. Is, um, but but I'd love to hear a little more specifically about that selection process and to, to steward a line or or these these F1s that you're speaking to uh, to the point where they you know that bag appeal is there. That was very impressive to see it grown in the field and then to see the cured flower. Yeah, um, selection is really crucial for honing uh, and 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 predictability. And so we've got to understand that. Say, if if I'm working with uh, a, a new something, right? Something that just came to me, and I don't really have the pedigree on it, and I don't have the breeder's information on it. And likely in this day and age, that the breeder's information isn't very accurate, or, or that yes. it's been. It's basically you're dealing with people who are dealing with a lot of clones, and a lot of clones are just simply uh, the the bomb poly hybrids that somebody found in some cross that was mislabeled F1. So let's just say I'm working with something that I have an unknown pedigree on, and I can likely assume it's a poly hybrid. Um, what I need to start doing is 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 identifying the characteristics that stand out in what I'm seeing in the population that I'm growing and then honing my desire of what I really like about that population and starting to eliminate the pieces of that population that I don't want to continue. And then I'm going to filial generationally 
continue that line by bottlenecking. This means reducing the parent lineage or the parent stock to uh, one male and one female until I start seeing populations that demonstrate the characteristic that I'm specifically looking for. And so I'm going to need to do that for a couple of generations to start getting any stability in the end result. And so if I'm working with something unknown, it's a, it's a matter of bottlenecking until I have something predictable. And then once I've got something predictable, it's now, it shouldn't be that it's one in a hundred that's the one you want. Now it should be that it's more common the mean than it is the outlier. And so what we're trying to do is create lines that has a mean of the exact thing you want the outliers are the things you're getting rid of at this point. And so in the beginning, it might be an outlier you're hunting and trying to stabilize, but as you go a few generations in, you really have to start opening the populations back up because if you bottleneck and just do single parent breeding for too long, you will see a diminished capability of that line to continue forward. And so as it gets more further down the filial generation, we want to start opening up populations on both sides of the thing that it was selected for. And so, you know, right now I'm dealing with family groups. I'm dealing with a lot of, like, things that are beyond F4. And, I, I, you know, by the time you're at F6, if you're doing your bottlenecking right early and you're beginning to open up populations, by F6 you're going to want to really increase those populations because you've got something that's more stable. Yeah. And now you want to do more of an open pollinated thing where you have a larger population, both males and females, that are being let to go out. And maybe you select and call out some of the things that you don't want to continue that variability within that line that makes it not what you want it. And you just call the few plants, but you leave as many to grow seed as possible because well, now you've got to trap as much genetic variability because you've already done the bottlenecking. So now you're trying to preserve genetic diversity as you increase the line further down its filial path. Um, so there's some valuable information from a breeding standpoint to begin to understand is bottlenecking, i.e. one mother, one father for too long will not take you into a place you want to go. So you've you got to get over this like this is the one, this is the one, and you've got to be, if you're really breeding, you're now you're like, well, 90% of what I'm growing is the one, and so now there isn't a one. Now wow. it's, they're all like this, yeah. and now I need to preserve as much of this as I can or else I might see a diminishing line. Um, sure. And with that, if a, a, a line, say, is, becomes uh, in... In inbred depression is what it's called, and if it starts to go down that path, that doesn't necessarily mean it's not good for breeding. Um, you know, we see a, a little bit of of loss of some of the char the the amplified characteristics of newly hybridized varieties. We see a little bit of loss in our in in inbred line work, but that inbred line work can stand to lose quite a bit of that, but now they just need to be held as breeding stock. And and so uh, now they're not grown for that commercial production, but they're, they're grown for predictable traits that come through in their ability to breed. And so people, I think, run into issues with plants down the filial generation, um, and, and that's to be expected. So one, people shouldn't be, like, alarmed if they're losing some
some of the original vigor and stuff, but realize it's still worth holding on to and maintaining that line. But understand the genetic diversity thing in that once you get it stable to where you want, you got to start opening populations up, and that starts to be more work. Um, so those, that's, you know, that's kind of the gist of, like, the, the really valuable stuff is to understand how to work with inbred lines so that you can maintain populations of seeds that are designed for breeding the stock that will be for the commercial production, which is the F1, the new hybrids. Um, making hybrids is really where farming comes into play. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, I think what's humbling, too, is you're really speaking to the it, it takes more time than what what you see on the seed banks or a lot of breeders on Instagram when they when they say it's an F1. It may not be <laughs> exactly <laughs> the type of F1 we're speaking to now. Uh, and, and yeah, to, and let's talk about that for just yes, a second. Please, I, please. Uh, you know, so what most people end up with is just some new cross they just call an F1. And and for taking you know note of your own self, that's great. Um, you, you can at least marker, like, this is the cross and these are the genetics. But what's happened is is a lot of people get these clones, these cuts, and, and they really are just like they're, they're, they're polyhybrids on both parental lineage sides. And so you might really like what you see in that, and that's great. And it's the only recreatable form of that is through cloning, and that's why cloning is so popular in cannabis right now. Um, but, you know, we, we just really, uh, the, the F1, it just, it's not happening. People get this cut, and they hold that cut to breed with. And whether it's a male or a female, uh, essentially this is the big mistake I see people make. Or I, maybe it's not a mistake. I definitely am not one to say I know it all or, or have all the information. But what I think is a problem in the way things have been done is you get that cut you say it's the best and now you're you're making seed and then you're back crossing to a unstable cut right so instead of that line being established and working with it as a breeding line you're now taking the worst breeding cuts or, or potentials through these these polyhybrids which polyhybrids have lots of value i know i never want to speak down to them but they're not valuable for breeding as much and so you get people doing a lot of inbred line work with a lot of really unstable genetics and inbred line work via back crossing. And so holding on to generations for a long time to then breed with, you know, you, it might be that you got something really good and that it's really good and, and over time you realize that, but it might also be that every time you go back to that mother, you're going back to something unstable and that's why your genetics keep coming out uh, mixed phenos and it's really not true inbred line work or back cross work, which is still inbreeding. Um, but back crossing is methodology that aims to essentially outcross to find traits to then bring back into a line and kind of improve a line more so than it is say, to create a new F1. It's more just to strengthen a, 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 a line that already exists that you want to take in a different direction so you cross that line out to something that has the characteristics you're hunting and then you're pulling that back into that gene pool and you're looking for the population that expresses it in the way that you want it. Um, so 
So, yeah, I think a lot of mistakes are being made by people holding on to cuts for so long to breed yeah. with. Yes. I think those cuts not, are not necessarily F1s, or, or not necessarily inbred lines. They're just not good for breeding. They might be F1s, they, but they're likely just double polyhybrids, i.e., you know, a big mix-up on both sides of parental stock. Yes, I think that, and it's it's, it's nice to hear clarity um, and you're certainly walking the walk, and I know it's a passion of yours, and it's it's helpful. And it, sometimes it it does take time too to really help wrap wrap your mind around it. But you can see uh, with your ha- with your love of hash lines and these deep mercine, like I love the name Happy Chillmore. Uh, it's a good metaphor for the the inferring the the experience and the and the vibe of these flowers and the, of these lines and speak to this hash i i know we always would make snakes in the grass when we hang out and even but i i saw some amazing imagery of of i feel like you're deepening your 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 roots as a hashishin and and it's being reflected too in your selections and and obviously the flowers you're you're drawn to there i'm i'm mouth watering watching them uh, on online and through social media but would love to hear a little bit about that too because that is an ancient practice agent relationship and i imagine uh part of that part of that experience is coming from collecting the resin this this amplification of our consciousness through the cosmos yeah um just to clarify what i've found is there's two different varieties and and they can be correlated through my analysis of coas is that you've got um uh caryophylline dominant stuff and then you've got which is a sesquiterpene and then you've got the uh monoterpene like myrcene pinene stuff and whenever something is testing super high in terpenes uh, you would think, oh, that's got to be the best hash. In some cases, it 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 might lead to a really good melty hash, but in in a lot of cases, uh, super high terps grease off in in the washing process, and they're just so high in oils that uh, in the water they don't hold their form, and so they just get lost in the in the water. And wow. so by by uh you know i've found the best hashing varieties are lower in terps they generally range two and a half percent um versus our high terp lines are four to six or even higher percent terpenes and and so like uh but what i found is like uh, that sesquiterpene must have more wax component which makes it capable of holding on to what's in there the oils that are in there they're 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 having a relationship with wax and so that wax is what's you know when you get it cold it it hardens and it's capable of being caught and sifted and carried by water um and so you know um the hash lines are all basically caryophylline limonene dominant um varieties that uh, and limonene, I, I've had so many limonene results that do not smell like lemons or lime, you know? So wow. it's like, I How think cool. there's a lot of, uh, I, I just think there's a lot missing from our little scientific windows that we're peeking into. The, the and, and I don't ever get too down the scientific rabbit hole just because I, I honestly believe science is more of about separating things rather than connecting things. And so to me, science and spirituality are like two different ways to go about ending up at the same place, which is an understanding of what's going on. And I prefer the spiritual side of things. Um, and so, you know, with that, uh, but I've just basically, in the hash realm, 
problems, it's all about observation and it's all about uh, washing and practicing. And then, yeah. you know, I think there's a lot of in the the modern perverted hash market, which is all dab oriented. Yeah. Um, which isn't really my specialty. I'm a full spectrum. Like when I catch things in a bag, I'm trying to catch uh, like a 73 to a 220. And I want it all because I feel like that's where all the information and messages from the cosmos is, is, is in that whole spectrum. And so why would I want to separate out the 90 versus the 70? You know, yeah. I personally don't even stick it on a nail. So, um, you know, it's not as uh, so. I'm hoping to amplify a desire for more traditional hash, but you know, I I I also endeavor in some of the more modern practices in in freeze drying and 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 fresh frozen. So you know, oh, very I, cool. Yeah, because I saw some of the just the color was so bright, and that's maybe that freeze dry approach. Yeah, for sure. That that changes the whole game and like how it presents itself to the to to somebody. And so, you know, freeze drying is just a rapid mat, uh, process of being able to get things to a, a dry enough point to where you can reliably store it. Yes. Um, and that's been probably is the biggest challenge with with hash in general, especially water hash, um, dry sift hash, which is the more traditional been happening for thousands of years is a whole different game because it all starts dry. Um, but even if you're working with cured resin in, in water hash scenarios, you're getting it all wet. And so the drying process is like the most important piece of it all. Um, and so there's some sacrifices, and I'm not, not completely sure. I'm kind of like old school meets new school uh, out of necessity to uh, appease what people uh, think they want, you know? And so, but I will say, like, with that process, like, fresh frozen hash is amazing in that it really it replicates what it was like when it was living on the plant. And yeah. that is an insane and an, an amazing thing. And then cured resin, is a, it's different. It, it changes, and, and that's amazing, too. And it needs to be valued for what it is, but there's some things that change with that process um, that make it more old school, you know? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I feel there is a bit of a... It, I, the freeze dry. I, I love the ancient future approach, where we kind of adopt some of the the new tech to get back to the roots of the of the traditional. You know, re reestablishing our connection with with the resin and the preservation of the resin. Uh, I, and and sometimes it, it takes that look, that freeze dried look, to really engage a new audience and to build more momentum towards having more people engage with with this full spectrum approach to preserving of the resin and collecting of the heads much better much much more in tune and aligned than these other um, volatile solvent based hashes although it, you know to each their own and it's interesting all around to learn but I do love the relationship of, of selecting in the garden and keeping it's kind of like grapes and, and wine and vintners right to think about you know, our, our crop really is the resin, the resin gland, the trichome head. That's what we're growing as cannabis farmers, and it's a, it's a really a powerful, most cosmic crop in the universe. And it's a, it's another humbling rabbit hole, but 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 very important, very special way to deepen that relationship with the plant. For sure, and what I find is that uh, you know, if you know, I think I've had a lot of success 
uh, making hash is simply because of the the philosophy that we approach to growing. And so nice. I, I feel like the the potential expression of the plants reach their maximum. And and I really do believe that you know. Uh, uh, a plant that grows in that strong relationship and network to the ecology and in a healthy, thriving, nutrient-abundant, uh, diverse space creates a different resin. The, the plant that is grown in that versus the plant that's grown in, in a soil medium that's been created by humans, again, this is like uh, the difference is... is in our philosophy, we're trying to let go of the control, see the flow that's happening around us, and then tap into that powerful flow and network versus uh, wanting to control everything, including the mediums and, and how it all goes down and the light cycles. And as soon as you start engaging in controlling and tricking plants, light depth, putting them under plastic, all these things that people use under the guise of sun-grown are just less lesser potential than the full-term outdoor in healthy space that's perennialized around the grow space. Um, and and the results are just 100% different. Uh, and, and one is really conducive to hash making, and that is the regenerative or living soil, diverse polyculture, uh, growing within a healthy system. That's just a better practice for hash making. One, there's a lot less dust in a really healthy environment because there isn't the amount of disturbance, and we're not driving little gators around between uh, the rows and kicking dust up during harvest and you know so we're we're covering the ground there's no dust flying and so the resin's clean even if it was outside and yeah um, it is it's gorgeous and so i also think the resin heads uh get bigger on big-headed resin genetics they get even bigger when they're amplified by the cosmos. And so, wow. you know, like, uh, it might be that I, I need a 250 in order to really catch the potential because the grand heads are starting to get so big. Um, <laughs> you need a higher micron, yeah, or the yeah. bigger. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, that's the, the, and the key thing when, he, when Nicholas is saying 73 and the 220, he's talking about the micron size of these bags, these, these, these hash making uh bags which are to this day a tried and true approach and it is it's a meditative process it's it's a ceremony every time you make hash i imagine yeah and you know i think about how valuable that that resin is to me and it's it's like so valuable that i don't ever want to let go of it almost you know and so like if i have to put a value on it it's going to be super high because one i just know where it came from i know how valuable it is to me yeah and um and yeah, I just you know it's a rare thing in this day and age to find resin that's actually connected to the cosmos. Amen, amen. It's a fine sacrament. It's like this very beloved and cherished uh, viticulture. It's like a fine wine, uh, very much yeah. so. I think it's I think it's worthwhile to to invest in those fine things. The finer things in life are, are very special, and and to know the source and to know how things are grown. These are very important questions that I hope we can see across the whole marketplace, the whole industry, and hopefully it will help these farms and, and we'll, we'll, we'll persevere through these challenging times. We're getting close to the top of the hour here. We've got three more minutes, Nick, and I just wanted to make sure that you had 
the the final words and if there's anything else you wanted to i mean there were some other things we were hoping to cover we'll definitely do the show again we'll have you back and um but i want to make sure that you you can speak to the people and um just take it away and thank you it's so nice to reconnect and and much love sure. to the whole family man much love yeah um yeah so for people who really want to help farmers you know if if you can't figure out how to help them via some dispensary or store, just reach out and and let's let's communicate via DMs or let's just talk. If you really want something that you consider super high valuable, uh, of high value, you know, there's ways we can make all that happen. So support your small farms by reaching out and communicating with them. That might be the best way for you to be able to do that. And be really clear about what you're you're searching for, you know. Otherwise, you know, really do, everybody needs to do their best to go to dispensaries and really start to to talk about uh, these important components of, of regenerative agriculture. Uh, on a mass scale, let's just use that term regenerative because it's going it's getting big and and just hunting that out because really what we need is people going to dispensaries understanding that value and being willing to pay just a little more than the lowest price you know Um, we can make a lot happen at really reasonable prices but we really need for people to go out of their way to support I've been saying this for so long it feels like I'm waiting I'm still waiting for people go to these dispensaries go ask for it make it so that these dispensaries can't leverage us down because we're outdoor. Um, we're just getting worked, even by old partners. It's like no matter what, their value is not seen, and we're put into the category outdoor, and they want us to bring our prices to 300 a pound or less. That's just not going to keep us around. That's just going to get rid of us. And there's a bigger system at play trying to kill the small farmer right now and it's it's up to everybody to make it work for the small farmer in whatever means possible so reach out let's talk amen keep the connection that cannabis connection and build that connection to the cosmos i'm your host christopher card thank you nicholas thank you green source gardens thank you tending the garden support the film support your small farmers stay up santa cruz and be most excellent to each other KSCO Santa Cruz, KOMY La Selva Beach, the swirling broadcasting system.